Welcome back to the Good Bottle Tasting Notes podcast. Man, I almost, almost ruined that one. We are your hosts. I am Chris Sinclair. And I am Chloe Henry. Hey, Chloe. Hi, Chris. What's going I'm on? I'm so excited for this. Me too. Man, first week of my, my store being open and Yay! we're getting these getting these Tasting Notes underway yeah. in a real way. We had, to really, we had to really work into each other's schedule to make this one happen, you guys. Yeah, this should is be, great. Should be lucky. Yeah. Feel appreciative of Absolutely. the work that we do mm-hmm. for you. Just professionals. All right, Chloe, what are the rules? So the two rules that we always have here, first rule, we are not allowed to say the word smooth when nope. describing said beverage. Um, and the second rule is we are not allowed to place personal judgment or bias or... Any any uh, qualification thereof? Just... Trying to give you an honest representation of how we're tasting these two items today without, you know, me giving too much of my opinion. Yeah, or me. Yeah. Yeah. One of us. It's okay. All right, let's get to it. Perfect. So, as almost always, I mean, I think maybe as always. I as always. The wine today. Yeah, yeah, I brought the wine. As always. <laughs> oh, man, um, you guys are in for a treat today. Yes, we are. So, the wine I brought today is a very cool wine. That's me trying to not describe it in a way. Um, it's Cunois. Cunois. What is it? What is Cunois? How do you say it? I, I thought that the S was silent, but I always, I've been saying Cunois. I'm pretty sure it's Cunois. Not Cunoise. I mean, say how you want. C-O-U-N-O-I-S-E. What this wine is, is it originates from France in the Rhone valley uh can also be grown in california and washington the one we're tasting today is from central coast mm-hmm. uh paso robles groundwork is the winemaker behind this and um it's a blending grape usually you find it in provence style rosés it's also one of the varietals that they allow in the chateau de pop yeah blend Beaujolais. see mm-hmm. so uh let's taste it great we'll smell and then taste and it's really really dark so i'm being very careful on this white furniture i like to live on the edge chloe Mm -hmm. that is yummy i love it with a little chill on there so yes i uh i brought this wine with a slight chill on it man i failed immediately right out of the gate that's you did you did, did but let's just go past it okay the winemaker recommends a slight chill on this um, I really think that kind of that coldness brings out a lot more flavor. Um, I always like my wines a little cold, a little bit, you know, a little chill on it. Uh, if you need to add an ice cube, I'm not judging you. Just let it happen. I am. <laughs> so the thing about this varietal is it lacks tannins, even though it's like a very, very thick-skinned, dark grape. lacks tannins and lacks high alcohol. So this beauty is pumping in it. 12.9%. Yeah. What do you taste? I get um, I get dark floral. Like if I walk into a, a refrigerator that has flowers in it, that mm-hmm. just keeps flowers, it's that like very pungent floral note that's kind of a, a mix of lots of different flowers, but definitely rose. And violets? Do you get violets? Well, now I do. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I get violets, Chloe. Uh, 
I get daffodil also. Ooh. What color? Uh, yellow. Yellow. Okay. Yeah. There's other colors of daffodils, right? There's white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it puffs out. Yeah. But I don't think that has a smell. No. That's just... And it's an imaginary it's smell. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so, another interesting thing about this wine is it is 100% carbonic maceration. Yeah, this is one of those geeky terms that I had to I had to look up. Yeah, so let's tell the listeners what that means. Chris, so, I'm going to have you take it away. So, I'm just tra- traditional it. wine is made, if you imagine Lucy, right, jumping in into that big old wine-crushing barrel, mm. you know, so they crush all the grapes. Uh, usually the stems are, are removed, right? And so it's a pressing method to extract the juice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, obviously, given current technological advances, uh, uh, that happens in lots of different ways. Uh, but carbonic maceration is everything, whole clusters gets thrown into a tank uh, that turns into a vacuum. Vacuum, not like vacuum cleaner, but vacuum being... Not a Dyson. Not a Dyson. Okay. Uh, who knows? Maybe Dyson makes this. I don't know. Uh, but they remove all the oxygen from said container. And they, they replace it with CO2. That CO2 then creates pressure inside of the fruit in which the, the um, sugar eats itself as opposed to eating yeast, which then creates alcohol within the grape itself, within the skins. When, when the um, interior alcohol level of, of the fruit reaches about 2%, it bursts. So you're not getting any of that pressure that creates those tannins with rubbing the uh, with rubbing the juice and extracting uh, sort of that pithy flavor from uh, either the seeds or the stems or or the the skins itself. Yeah. And so you just get this bright, light, very juicy juice, juicy juice. So not only does it sound cool. It is cool. Yeah, and now you can go to parties and sound like you know what you're talking about, just like me. What's another uh, varietal or another wine that does carbonic maceration? That's a, everyone. I, everyone knows this wine. Beaujolais. Right? Yeah. Beaujolais. Gamay. Yeah. Or yeah. Gamay. Yeah. Right. And and uh, typically though it's not a hundred percent. Usually it's a 50 no. fifty. Yeah. Um, sort of operation where some of it's pressed, some of it is carbonic maceration. And they mix it together. Yeah. yeah. In this case, this wine itself is very very. It's completely 100% carbonic maceration, that, um, which creates a wine that's not meant to be cellared. It's meant to be no. consumed immediately. Very young, youthful, yeah. lively. Uh, this things, is a cheery, cheery wine. Very cheery. Yeah, yeah and it, you know, it's very, very um, lunch-friendly. Absolutely. Yeah. This uh, is like a two-glasser, and no one knows when you get back to the office. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you, you might have, you know, lips a little bit stained, mm-hmm. but that's that new lip balm you've been trying out. Um, one of the things that I particularly enjoy about this bottle, ah, I did it again, I find really cool about this bottle, Thank you. is uh, that when you open it first, it still has some youthful, lingering effervescence. Yeah. You find it on the first couple sips, but it goes away really fast. Yeah. I wanted to say that, but I didn't want people to think it was like a Lambrusco or something like that where it's like very, very effervescent. But it does have that very youthful, uh, kind of slight effervescence right when you pop the cork, right as we're drinking it. Um, And it just, the acidity is awesome. This is a red wine that you know, you could drink it like a white wine uh, when pairing food or complements food. Um, and I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell the listeners at home this bottle is available 
at the Good Bottle Shop. Dun, dun, dun. 1650, which is killer for this wine. Um, this, to me, you know, if I, like, blind tasted this, I would almost... And, you know, I'm no professional. Please, let's be real. But if I blind you tasted this... You are literally this, a professional. This is literally your job. No. If I blind <laughs> tasted this, I might be like, oh, Beaujolais Nouveau. Mm-hmm. Gamay. Uh, you know, the bright cranberry uh, and the acidity and all of that just really, really uh, makes way for this wine to be something more than just 1650. Yeah, this this want. is very cranberry, which, so which I cranberry. enjoy. It's very, very... Um, you know what I always get off of this, and I don't know. It's the the acid's definitely there. Like raspberry soda. Yeah. Like think about those like Tarani syrups where you pump and you get uh-huh. those raspberry Italian mm-hmm. sodas. I love it. No, yeah, that's fun. I mean, I love the sodas. I don't love this wine because I'm no, no, staying no, neutral. Obviously. I'm staying neutral on this wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Yeah. Let's go to the second one. All right. So, the spirit that I have for us today is uh, Forsyth Worthy Park Single Jamaican Rum uh, from a pot still. Vintage 2005. Oof. This is... I was still in high school. Not... Oh, my God. Really? Sorry to say that out loud. I feel so old when you say that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Old enough to party. (laughs) Wow, there is a beautiful golden color on this. That is so cool. This is a professional drinker's rum. Well... I'll say that because... Game on. Because this is not your Bacardi. This is not light. It's not, um, it's definitely not smooth. Mm. Um, this is not clean nor crisp. Okay. This is dirty. This is funky. And um, this is interesting. All right, well, cheers to that, my friend. Oh, that was loud. That was a really good cheers. Man, that was a great cheers. This glassware is really cool. I like it. It's... What are you getting on the nose? Mm. I know you just tasted it too, which I... Sorry, I just went right into it. Oh, your face is just lovely. It's like, you got Whoa. you got like bass guitar stank face. That is, <laughs> that is impressive. Wow. Let me, let me smell it again, if I can. Yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, I like your expert rolling of the spirit in the glass. Yeah. Uh, the the force is strong with you. <clears throat> I have I have a really fun way to describe this, but I want to hear you describe yeah. it first. Um. And when I when I tend to describe really funky things, uh, and I think for the the amateurish taster, yeah, uh, it's easy to get lost in your preconceived notions of negative descriptions. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, oftentimes when we talk about wine, sometimes you'll describe it as cat pee. You're like, oh, God, why would I want to drink that? But actually, yeah. when you talk about wine, you say cat pee to me. I'm like, dope. Same. Give it to me. Same. Or like uh, barnyard funk. Barnyard funk. I'm like, absolutely, all, yeah. all around. Yep. Um, this this smells sweet. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a Jamaican rum, which makes sense. And I, I can explain that a little bit at greater length. Um, yeah. But please continue with your notes. Yeah. Um, sweet and... I mean, you're getting like a spice on it, and I'm really pulling hard. I'm like, I'm in the allspicy right now, and I'm opening up all the jars, and I'm trying to figure out which one it is. Wow. I get pink peppercorn uh, and white peppercorn as well. I I get like almost like a syrupy, it's not like maple syrup, but Mm -mm. like maybe like really 
watered down maple syrup. It's okay. like yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's I think that that's fair. Okay. I get I get passion uh not passion fruit, but I get tropical fruits on this. Okay, like guava. Uh, guava, mango. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I so, can see that now. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, ooh, mango. Yeah. Like can't like the dried out mango that's still sweet. Right, and mm-hmm. like just a touch of like marzipan in there as well. I love marzipan. I love um, when that's thrown in the mix. <laughs> um, I get clove, obviously. Okay. Um, I think clo- clove trees are are really prevalent in the Caribbean, so it makes sense, right, that, that some of that would be in there. Like when you're in high school and you steal your friend's clove cigarette. Definitely. For the first time. Mm-hmm. And you get... Um, mm. It smells so good. I just realized that when I took a sip... <laughs> I took a big sip. You did? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but your stank face was totally worth it for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, people have commented to me that they wish that this portion of the podcast would be uh, would be a visual content. When when I try something, I have no idea what it is. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious <laughs> for me, too. <laughs> All right, let's drink again. Okay. That's great. Uh, so the listeners know at home this is a fifty-seven point eight ABV. Oh. So it's not it's not screaming hot, but it definitely has it definitely has um, some booze on it. Yeah, and it's right? definitely um, medium medium bodied. Like it's like heavy. Like it's it's still weighing on me. It's very oily. Yeah, and oily. It, that, that comes from the copper pot still. Definitely. Really? Uh, yeah, because when you're looking at column column stills, column stills are very efficient in mm-hmm. distillation. Mm-hmm. Uh, pot stills are very inefficient. And at you know distillation. what I kind of get? So and they I, leave a lot in. I don't think it like is reference to the the copper still at all, but I get like kind of brassy notes. Like, yeah. Like. Yeah, definitely on like, like the sides bitter, like, sides of the mouth. Yeah, yeah, and it's on the very finish for sure. Sure. Um, so. My notes on this, this tastes, I grew up on the East Coast, uh, in, in Northeast, mm-hmm. in Jersey, New York. This tastes to me uh, like um, uh, someone took a backhoe uh, in late fall when the ground was wet and cold but already rotten underneath that top top layer, okay. scooped it up, threw it into a tanker, shipped it down to the Caribbean where it thawed out and someone was sitting over this bunch of leaves and dirt and everything and they were cutting up mangoes and cutting up tropical fruit i'm hacking with my hands he's hacking and then they let that rot in the hot caribbean sun and then that became this well it's delicious that's what i'm saying yeah yeah so it's got like that like pumpkin spice not pumpkin spice but like that like very spicy fall flavor Mm. mixed with caribbean fruit Mm -hmm. that caribbean funk yeah yeah which, when you're talking about Jamaican rums, there's a lot of lore that goes into how they develop that funk. Historically, really, what, what it is is really long fermentation times. Traditionally, because when uh, English-style rums were, were being made, the, the, the English really were trying to extract as much sugar out of, of the molasses as possible. How long is like a typical... Fermentation for I, I would I would say for mo- for lighter style rums, yeah. Spanish style rums, mm-hmm. we're looking at, um, and I'm sure someone's going to correct me, but That's we're fine. looking at um, a day to four days. Okay. I would say for um, French style rums and English style rums, English styles are going to be a little bit longer uh, than that. You might even be pushing into a week, and I, I think 
French style rums are, are also in there as well. Sugar is one of those things that as soon as you press it, it wants to start fermenting yeah. right away. A lot like um, a lot like fruits, like apples and whatnot. They want to start fermenting right away because they have those natural sugars that react with the yeast in the air. So unless they're in a vacuum and, and the control is such that the, 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 the yeast is being added into it, creates that fermentation. Um, but with... Uh, with English style rums, they extract so much of the sugar out of the molasses um, that they need to then add some sugar back into it on the back end mm. as well as through the fermentation, just the way it starts to ferment. Um, because otherwise, you just you're left with sugarless juice, right? Because they just extract so much out of it. Yeah. Um, which is where rum started, right? Is because it was through sugar creation, yeah, and through the sugar trade that then they realized that this byproduct from creating sugar, it was fermenting and the slaves were drinking it. And then they said, oh, wait, we can't have them drinking something that we can be making money off of. <laughs> so, we can't have them enjoy this. No, no, no. This no. is not meant for them. No. Right. So English style rums in that way were pure extraction Adding, adding a little bit of sugar back into it, which is why you get a little bit of sweetness just on the nose of this. Yeah. Versus like the French, French style rums, you know, looking at Martinique, which tend to be very, um, you know, they're art forms. You know, the, the French are always looking for the essence, the soul yeah. of a thing yeah. to perfectly execute what that thing so is. Yeah. So French rums are in that way or in that style. They're, they're, they're looking for that eau de vie, that, the essence of life that comes from that sugar cane. British are just like, fuck it, we can we can make more money on this yeah. if we just add this back in and let it ferment again. Let's so, get drunk. Yeah. This is great. I'm really impressed. Uh yeah, I, I've um I've been enjoying selling this uh to people uh who like rums and are uh either they're professional rum drinkers or they're uh want to become more uh more knowledgeable about rum this is a great a great example of that a drink on your owner yeah i mean uh, sh shit you make a great daiquiri with this you know yeah, and absolutely. it just it stands out uh, the heat holds up against the lime juice it, you know yeah it was good great all right guys well as is always this has been uh, your hosts chris and claire and chloe henry and uh on today's episode of Good bottle tasting notes. Good Hope job to... on saying it again. Thanks. It's the I'm first time they were confused. Really struggling through that one. <laughs> anyway, see you guys soon. Bye, Cheers. Chloe.